Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll feature cutting-edge commentator Peter Cohen. He works with The Loop at loopinsight.com. We'll also hear from Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, who's just written a book called Take Control of Launch Bar. Next up is Russell Chozik from Fastback Data. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Peter Cohen from The Loop at loopinsight.com. And we previously identified him as one of the co-hosts of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show. And we're not mentioning that right now because the show is, what, on hiatus? No, not at all. I'm no longer doing it. I uh, uh, passed it on to uh, Kelly Guimont, who's been our uh, the Joan Rivers to our Johnny Carson for quite some time. So uh, I, I just decided to, to stop doing it. Time to move on. Exactly. One has to make a change every so often. In saying that, we've been doing the Tech Night Out Live for 11 years. And uh, you haven't gotten sick of it yet. Good for you. Well, I'll keep doing it until I figure out how to do it. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Now, it's kind of an interesting thing here when people have instant messaging accounts or Skype accounts. They stick a little phrase on it. And I was kind of stuck by the phrase that you have on your (laughs) Skype account. In fact, it so much relates to what the media is like these days, trying Uh, to understand what's going on. Tell our listeners what we're talking about. My Skype uh, status right now is my hovercraft is full of eels. And if you're an old uh, fan of Monty Python, of course, you'll remember that from the Dirty Hungarian Phrase Book, which is uh, one of my favorites. Tell our listeners about this. I mean, I always talk about the Ministry of Silly Walks. So the Dirty Hungarian phrase book uh, skit starts out with a, uh, a Hungarian tourist visiting a tobacconist uh, somewhere in in London and asking for a pack of cigarettes and uh, and matches. But the phrases that he uses are uh, disturbingly sexual in nature. And um, the tobacconist understands that something's wrong, so he grabs the Hungarian phrase book um, to figure out how to ask him for. Uh, six and six, six pounds, six pence for uh, uh, the stuff that he's buying and finds the appropriate phrase, uh, repeats it to him in Hungarian, and then the Hungarian guy looks affronted and punches him across the face. But it, it's the phrases that are hilarious. My hovercraft is full of eels. My nipples explode with delight. It's it's a bunch of non sequiturs that are it's sort of typical Python-esque bizarre humor, and it's just something that's always made me giggle whenever I see it. But part of it is just translating something from one language to another, where wacky things happen. And you see that all the time in movies where somebody picks up a translation book, and I guess they were influenced by Monty Python, and they say something like, you know, can I have the time of day? And it translates, can I hit your face with a ping pong ball or something? Well, one of my favorite examples of this actually is another comedy. Uh, It's another comedy. It was a movie that came out in the 80s starring Michael Keaton called Johnny Dangerously. In one scene, Johnny is in in jail and a message comes in over the the prison grapevine and one guy translates uh, the the message and uh, gets it pretty much straight but the next guy screws it up a little bit, the next guy screws it up a little bit. By the time it gets to Johnny, it's completely unrecognizable. And when Johnny translates it out loud, 
he's got the exact translation right. And uh, his, uh, his colleague looks at him and says, but that isn't what the other guy said. Yeah, but I know this grapevine. You know, <laughs> and you know where it, I saw this for the first time, not Monty Python, but Steve Allen would do something where he'd bring up five people on stage or even 10 people. And he'd whisper a joke to somebody and ask that person to repeat the joke to the next person in turn who would repeat it to the next person down the line. So then after this is done, he would go to the 10th person and say, would you tell us what the joke is? And of course, there is no possible resemblance between person number one where they got the joke and person number 10 where after 10 human minds filtering that joke got anything close to what it really was. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, we see this repeated over and over again in the media when it comes to Apple, don't we? Absolutely. And, you know, part of it is just that so much of the Apple press these days is dependent on uh, rumor mills and rumor mongering. And it seems like uh, we see the same tropes and same errors made over and over and over again. And inevitably, it starts out with some blog or second-rate technical publication uh, produced somewhere overseas, typically somewhere on the western edge of the Pacific Rim, uh, Taiwan, uh, China, Japan, Korea, repeating secondhand information, sometimes third-hand information that they get through Apple's supplier chain. Uh, and this, of course, turns into hard news um, on our side of the Atlantic, um, or at least what non-discriminating readers might assume is hard news when it's little more than just rumors. Actually, Apple is going to come out with a product called the iEel. It'll be the most slippery gadget Apple's produced yet. But it'll make your hovercraft run like greased lightning. I was thinking the iUFO, if we're going to have hovercrafts, we might have a UFO. How's that? Indeed. All right. But part of the problem also is forgetting translations of reports or third, fourth-hand reports from the supply chain. Just getting things right in the American media, even some of the most prestigious publications, just screw it up. Yeah, it's true. It's true because, you know, the old adage in publishing is that if it bleeds, it leads. And if there's one thing that, that leads right now, it's stories about Apple bleeding. You know, whether it's Apple making a new product or some scurrilous rumor that Apple is not selling enough products or has cut its production or what have you, it's guaranteed to get page views. So even the most august publications, including the newspaper of record, the New York Times, you know, the gray lady herself is prone uh, to this sort of rumor mongering because it means, means page views. Obviously, there are some publications that are much, much more egregious about it than others. But I don't think anyone can resist the siren call of attracting a lot of readers to a juicy Apple story. And the most juicy Apple story is the story that makes Apple look bad. Absolutely. Whether it's uh, something to do with Apple suppliers, like workers at Foxconn killing themselves, you know, that, of course, is Apple's fault, even though many, many vendors use uh, Foxconn for their production. Uh, it's singularly Apple's fault. It's you not know, Michael that, Dell's fault. Example. It's not Michael Dell's fault because Foxconn builds products for Dell. Or it's LG not, or Samsung or, you know, a hundred other suppliers that get their stuff from Foxconn. I mean, you know, Foxconn is one of the biggest electronics manufacturers in the world, and Apple does not monopolize their supply line whatsoever. But it has to be Apple. It's just like you have these Greenpeace complaints that Apple is not being friendly 
Oh, don't even get me started on that. I mean, Greenpeace is one of the uh, the most egregious um, examples of this, where they go after Apple singularly because they know it'll get them headlines. They're going after Apple because the products are not as environmentally safe as they should be. At the same time, what about HP? What about Dell? What about any of these other companies? How environmentally friendly are they? Oh, they won't answer that. Yeah, exactly. They've got absolutely no record for it. Apple makes itself a little transparent, and if you let the camel's nose under the tent, pretty soon the entire camel is there. So, uh, you know, Greenpeace uses it. You know, Apple makes an announcement that they're going to be producing more green energy for use in their data centers. Greenpeace responds with a press release going, yeah, they're in the right direction, but they could be doing a better job. You know, there's always room for criticism. There's always you give you give you give your critics a, 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 an inch of wiggle room, and they'll find a, a reason to criticize you more. Well, what about all the other data centers out there? Well, the only one that that uh, that, that Greenpeace has gone on uh, or gone up against with anything resembling uh, the fervor that they do with Apple is probably Google. You know, because Google, in fairness, operates some of the biggest data centers in the world. But they're certainly not unique. There are a lot of companies that operate data centers. It's just that, you know, that they're not running them in a high-profile way like Apple or Google is. So um, they're not as easy targets. How about the NSA? We have Peter Cohen from the Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. From Midas Resources, July 25th, 2013. Gold opened this morning at 1321.60. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1369.49, 684.74 for a half ounce, or 342.37 for a quarter ounce. That's 1369.49, 684.74, and 342.37. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. 
If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Hi, my name is Scott Fuchs, teacher and rowing coach for over 14 years. I was sluggish, overweight, on prescription drugs, and only 30-something. Fortunately, I was referred to Dr. Z, and happy to say Dr. Z's all-natural protocols over a consistent course resolved my health issues. I'm in the best shape of my life, and most importantly, on zero medications. I'm Dr. Zdanowski, author of Evology, trained as a primary care physician, surgical manipulation under anesthesia, expert in nutrition, diet, weight loss, immune system, and I specialize in chiropractic. My 15 years of professional experience has taught me the four keys to vibrant health, a balanced muscular skeletal system, an integrated nervous system, a flowing lymphatic system, and a body filled with over 90 essential nutrients. This has been a secret too long. Actualize your potential, reverse disease. Call me, Dr. Z. 201-945-1177, evolveyourself.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Peter Cohen joins us this week, and we're talking about, first, the inability of the media to interpret things about Apple correctly, and then why Apple is singled out for special discriminatory treatment. We mentioned Greenpeace. Of course, the NSA. Let's have them write an article about the NSA and whether the NSA is using green energy or not to spy on all of us. (laughs) Yeah, talk about irrelevant. (laughs) I couldn't care less if the NSA is using green energy. The fact that they're using any energy to spy on American citizens is an affront to my political leanings. But think of it this way. Congress was running over themselves, jumping over, leaping, passing the Patriot Act, which opened the door. Well, exactly right. But it's all the black guy's fault, according to the modern press. You know, as, as, as long as it's something that you can lay at Obama's feet, then it's valid criticism. Never mind the fact that, that this happened under the, Bush's wa- under the Bush administration's watch with their tacit approval. And, uh, you know, the Congress was only too happy to be complicit in it. Absolutely. This is the way it goes, you know, not getting fair treatment. We go back to Apple again. Apple has to be the innovator. And you also have to look at the run-up to the recent financials that were released this week, where Apple, I guess, did about what they said they do in their corporate guidance, but everybody expected worse. And the one area 
where the media got it wrong over and over again. All these reports, iPhone sales are plummeting. Demand is soft. Yeah, and it turned out that iPhone sales were the one real bright spot of Apple's third quarter uh, financials. You know, the the 31.2 million iPhones was more than uh, most analysts projected. However, things weren't spectacular. I mean, iPad sales were were off um, year over year. Uh, Mac sales were down year over year. And Mac sales actually haven't been this bad in a while, if you take a look at Apple's previous couple of of, uh, of third quarter. So uh, there's there's room to be downcast on it. But the interesting thing is, you know, a day afterwards, uh, Apple stock was trading um, 20 points above where it was the day before. So uh, clearly, Wall Street is, is pretty happy with the news um, that, that came out of uh, of Apple this week. Now, I was curious about some of the stupid questions the financial analysts ask. I'm never surprised about the stupid questions that analysts ask. Okay, so let's look at one statement here that was mentioned during the quarterly conference call. There was a big drawdown in iPad inventory, and that is one reason why sales were softer, because there weren't as many in the channel. So I would have said, okay, Mr. Cook or Mr. Oppenheimer, why? Did you have this drawdown in iPad inventories? Now, obviously, it's because they're preparing for a new model introduction. But no one even asked the question. Well, you know what? Nobody is going to ask that question except a couple of analysts who have never talked to Apple before because Apple routinely will tell you that they're not going to pre-announce anything or they're not going to talk about products that haven't been announced yet. So, Yes, I, I, but at least to ask the question, why is there a drawdown in inventories? Well, as a matter of fact, that question was asked in the Q&A afterwards, and Tim Cook gave a very direct answer. His comment was, Apple routinely wants to keep as little inventory as possible. I mean, Apple is... Uh, tries to get as close to um, to, to zero-day inventory as it possibly can. Uh, you know, in, in fairness, the company... But that's double talk because before. that's double talk. And the reason it's double talk is you first say, well, one of the reasons sales were lower is because of the drawdown in inventory. And then you say, why did you draw down the inventory? Well, we'd like to keep better control on the inventory. How is that double talk? Well, how is that double talk? Because you're blaming the shortfall on sales to some degree on the drawdown on inventory. But you drew down the inventory because you want to have as little as possible. But if it's impacting sales, did you draw it down too much? What? I don't, I don't see any conflict there, and I don't think that it was impacting sales. I, Apple's third quarter is traditionally its softest quarter. And if it sounds like I'm being an Apple apologist, I'm not. I think that there's a lot of valid criticism to uh, to levy at Apple's feet uh, for this particular um, quarter, even though they still made you know they, they made $35 billion in the quarter. They produced an enormous amount of money, and, and, and uh, you know they stuck, I think, $18 billion in the bank. So it's not like it was a bad bad quarter for them. But they could have done better. But as as far as their inventory management, no, I don't fault them for this because the, the third quarter is traditionally their softest quarter. It's traditionally the quarter where they try to get their ducks in a row uh, to move forward for the rest of the year because their fourth quarter is a big quarter for them. That's back to school. You know, that's a big quarter for them. And it's going to be an especially big quarter for them uh, this year with a huge introduction of, of, of iPads uh, into the, uh, the L.A. Unified School school district and uh, a lot more um, iPads, actually iPads for the first time in the main uh, technology uh, initiative there um, up in up in the state of Maine. So, you know, Apple's 
on the right track. And I'm sure that we're going to see better performance out of them uh, in the future. But uh, I, th- I think reading too much into anything uh, in Apple's third quarter is a mistake, especially, you know, stuff like inventory management, because I, this is Tim Cook's bread and butter. I mean, Tim Cook is an operations guy. He understands this part of the business, I think, probably better than anything else. And he's got a better eye for it, I think, than most CEOs of, of companies that manufacture consumer electronics do. Clearly, he does, or Apple wouldn't be making the billions that it does. Well, of course, I have to also point out that the last iPad introduction was last October. So this product is in the tech industry way, way long in the tooth. But there was another interesting metric that Cook brought out during the conference call, and that was that of tablets, the iPad has 84% of the web traffic. And you think the basic function of a tablet is to get you online. (laughs) Well, well, it shows that a lot of people are buying tablets and then just not doing much with them except maybe running a few apps or maybe maybe running the apps that they came with. I'm not talking about iPads, obviously. I'm talking about the plethora of Windows tablets that are out there. But if you actually interpolate, you know, the, the number of tablet sales, you know that a large percentage, at least in the United States, of those tablet sales are Kindle sales. And the fact is people use Kindles to read books. They might use it to play a few apps here and there, but they're not surfing on their Kindles. They're not doing much of anything else. They're using the Kindle for the main purpose that it was designed for, and that is to read ebooks that they're buying through Amazon's website. But hang on, Gene. I don't want you to get away with, with your last statement. You just said that, 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 that Apple's last iPod, iPad refresh was in October, and that puts it long in the tooth. I defy you to prove that statement because if you actually take a look at Apple's product release schedule for years now they've been on an annual refresh cycle for their proven products and that includes the yes, but we also understand though understand though that when it comes to this far out from the product introduction you know that over that year sales would become softer in the third or fourth quarter out so the fact is that it happened a while ago it means you can expect as a natural consequence of the way sales go, that they would be lower. In fact, the the iPhone seems to be contrary to this. You would expect it. That's right. And that's why I, that's why I said at the outset that the iPhone is, is really an interesting data point because, because Apple sold so many and Apple did so well. It was really the one outstanding data point in an otherwise pretty tepid balance sheet. And we'll give the listeners some context on the other side. We have Peter Cohen joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. 
That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Springtime is sale time at Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big and stock up at HerbalHealer.com. New customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's spring specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Sea Cucumber, Super Fam and Super Male Plex, plus Glucosamine Chondroitin, our best-selling liquid CalMag Vitamin D, and our colloidal minerals, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. And Herbal Healer also offers certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988. Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. Are you ready for context, listeners? Okay, we have it coming up from Peter Cohen of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I keep saying the show that he no longer participates in, but I will forget about that eventually. You know, you keep repeating something and it becomes ingrained in your mind. It's like the media saying Apple's going to fail. They still can't give up that. 
Don't forget, I'm also a managing editor over at imore.com. But thank you very much, Gene. Uh, yeah, I was just going to uh, give our, our listeners a little bit of context to understand these iPad numbers that you and I are kind of haggling over. Sequentially, you know, from one quarter to the next, Apple saw about a 20% drop in sales. And sequentially, that is about what you would expect because, you know, Apple's second quarter is historically much better than their third quarter. This is the softest quarter of the year, as I said in our last segment. But if you actually take a look at year-over-year revenue changes, and that is the measure that financial analysts on Wall Street use to determine um, how well a company is doing, we saw a 14% reduction in the amount of units, of iPad units, uh, iPad units sold for that quarter, and a 27% drop in revenue. Why is that? My interpretation of that number is that Apple is selling a lot more iPad minis, which they have a smaller margin on, and a lot fewer full-sized iPads. So what does that mean? That means that Apple's got to figure, a, figure out a way to improve its gross margin on the iPad mini, and that it's got to gear its, its production towards the iPad mini in a way that makes sense for it to grow its revenue, because that number, that 27% number, is very alarming. And the fact that 14% fewer units are sold shows that the iPad market is softening a little bit. There's no question that fewer people are buying iPads than were buying them last year. Now, to compare... We know that iPhone sales did very well. How well did they do? Apple sold 20% more iPhones this past quarter uh, than they did for the same quarter a year ago. And they made 15% more in revenue than they did for the same quarter a year ago. So once again, we're seeing the the number of units that they're selling. uh, Well, not once again, but we're seeing the number of units that they're selling increase. But the amount of money that they're making on those units drop a little bit. That also ties into another uh, sort of industry insider, inside baseball sort of thing that I've been hearing, that Tim Cook is pushing Apple stores to become the point of sale for iPhones because Apple's, a- Apple's Apple stores are doing the bulk of the, the uh, tech support on iPhones, but are actually selling a, relative sm- a relatively small amount compared to the many other retail channels that people can get their phones through. AT&T stores in the U.S., Verizon stores in the U.S., Best Buy, all the big box um, retailers, you know, the, the T-Mobile, uh, Sprint, all the places where you can buy an iPhone, but when they they have problems with their iPhone, the first thing that those vendors do is that they turn around and they tell people, go to the Apple store to get it fixed. They don't want to touch it, and they can't in most cases. They're not capable. They're exactly right. But more than that, it's a drain on their revenue. They don't want to be hassled with supporting the iPad. They don't mind selling them, but they sure as heck don't want to actually support them for any reason because that's not generating revenue for them. That's a waste of money. They'll take the money for the sales, and that's it. But that's true, by the way, with all smartphones. Try to get support for problems with your smartphone other than the thing doesn't work or you have a problem with the network. If you have an AT&T contract with your Samsung smartphone, try to get support for that product. Try to get updates for that product. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, fragmentation, Android fragmentation is such a big problem because uh, products are so routinely cast away by the vendors that it's impossible to get software updates or security patches or anything. You're expected within uh, six to 12 months to just chuck the phone out and start over again. Why do you think these phone vendors are uh, like AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile are starting these programs that enable you to upgrade in some cases every six months? Because they know people want to, you know, churn over their, their crappy Android phones for something better. They want to turn over their crappy Android phones for another one. But except for T-Mobile, these are schemes that are unbelievable. Because remember, 
the way the contracts are set up now, your monthly rate includes a certain portion of money that goes to paying the subsidy on your smartphone. So now AT&T and Verizon want to give you the chance to upgrade more frequently, so they add that cost yet again, so you're paying twice on the smartphone to get the ability to replace it more often. And I'm sorry, I don't think that T-Mobile is any great deal either. If you actually run the numbers, you know, T-Mobile is making you make a down payment, and then they're making you pay a $10 insurance on top of whatever installment plan uh, you've agreed to with your phone. So in, in the case of an iPhone customer who is likely going to be stuck with that phone for a year because they're locked to Apple's upgrade cycle, because Apple is the only one making the iPhone, you're going to end up paying a very significant portion uh, of that iPhone's full retail cost. To get a 16-gigabyte iPhone, for example, paying outright. If you just went to an Apple store and bought an unlocked iPhone from Apple, an unlocked 16-gigabyte iPhone 5, you would spend $649. That's what I did when I got mine in January, all right, because I didn't want to be beholden to anybody's um, payment plan. I didn't want to be stuck in a two-year contract to anybody. So I went off and got one, paid $650. Yeah, it was bad on my cash flow, but I'm not paying for it every month, which I really appreciate. But if you actually run the numbers for T-Mobile's program, and T-Mobile is the fairest of any of them. After a year, you have paid $500. And what do you do at the end of that year? You turn it back over to T-Mobile. It's like leasing a car. You don't get to keep it. You know, you only get to keep it if you pay 20 months worth of payments for it, in which case you have paid for the phone. Yeah, but you the know? point to mention here is that the reason T-Mobile still is the better value is because their basic rate structure the actual minute and data plans are less expensive. That's where they gain. But oh, yes, no, no we question. understand that when they add these little schemes, $10 or $20 more for the privilege of upgrading your smartphone more often, we know that's going to be a ripoff more or less. Absolutely. No, there's no question that T-Mobile is right now is offering a significantly better value for its customers than Verizon or AT&T do in terms of its actual coverage plans. My wife and I, to be covered under T-Mobile, using a comparable plan to what we were paying AT&T, it's almost half as much for T-Mobile. Having said that, T-Mobile coverage in our area is adequate at best and in many cases inadequate i mean we're talking about 2g edge coverage in some places because they haven't finished refarming all of their their towers uh to 4g they still got a huge amount of spectrum dedicated to pcs which is the old 2g technology so until they're done with that and until they've really got their lte conversion underway you know people in outlying areas like us are going to be kind of screwed if you're living in a major urban area though t-mobile is fantastic it's team it's, it's lte service is unparalleled in terms of its performance um and it, it it just works fabulously and it's a wonderful value when i travel if i go up to boston for the day if i go down to new york or san francisco like i did for wwdc last last month i have fantastic service with, with t-mobile but it's almost useless where i live I suppose with T-Mobile, it's going to be a year or two out before they get that fixed. That's what I'm assuming, yeah. If you're willing to tolerate it, I guess it's okay. I'm considering this fall when some contracts are up with AT&T, whether to jump to T-Mobile when the next iPhone comes out. I'm seriously considering it. There probably will be somewhat of an early termination fee with AT&T, but if I make up the difference in lower rates from T-Mobile, it's worth it. Because where I live, their network is pretty good. Also, T-Mobile bought, what was it, Metro PCS, another 
one of those wireless providers, they still have to integrate the networks. That's the big thing. Yeah, but in the areas where they've done it, they've done things like they've doubled their LTE bandwidth. For example, in in, in Las Vegas, which has a, a really good Metro PCS coverage, T-Mobile has basically taken that spectrum and they've doubled their LTE bandwidth for it. So if you were getting 20 megabits per second before, you're getting more like 40 now. I mean, you're getting cable modem speeds out of your LTE-capable phone. It's pretty incredible. So T-Mobile has a lot of possibilities there, and certainly they're shaking up the industry, which is good. It's good. It is wonderful for the industry. I like their CEO, For the too. fact that T-Mobile was not acquired by AT&T. That would have been a mess. That would have reduced competition, and you wouldn't get the benefit of new plans, lower rates sometimes, if that had happened. So that was one of the times where the government made the right decision to oppose a merger at long last. We have Peter Cohen joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com There's a huge and hushed-up conspiracy going on that's about to turn your lives upside down in the coming few months. Unbelievably, the media are keeping quiet about this. I'm sure they know it, but they probably know that revealing it on TV will generate mass hysteria and chaos. But I believe you should be informed about it, because when the sinister agenda is finally accomplished and everything unravels, only those who know this secret info will survive and thrive. Go to 123conspiracy.com right now to see the truth. The video at 123conspiracy.com reveals the real, secret reason why Obama is after your guns and ammo. And it's not just in response to mass murders of preparing for war. It's something much darker. Go watch the video now at 123conspiracy.com before they shut it down. Again, that's 123conspiracy.com. Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. Hemp you 
HealthyLifeUSA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg peter cohen joins us he's with a site called imore that is correct and the loop at loop insight.com he's a busy bee i am indeed you're talking about cellular plans in connection with the fact that Apple, because of the iPhone, had a less, as they say, a less tepid sales picture. Now, let's look at the specific factors otherwise in Apple's financials. Mac sales down a few percent. This is the way it's going to be now? Is the Mac going to be like the iPod? It's just going to keep declining year over year, just like, for example, the PC industry is? You know, that's the million-dollar question, right? I mean, are we truly in a post-PC era, or was this just a blip? You know, I I personally am a Mac guy, a career Mac guy, as you are too, Gene, and I I really hope that we are not, uh, you know, heading for a place where uh, computers are completely sidelined uh, by 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 tablets and smartphones. Um, I don't think that that's going to happen. But I, I, I mean, even if you look today, and e- even at its best, uh, over the past couple of years, the Mac has been a sideline for Apple in overall revenue. iOS is the juggernaut. You know, Apple makes a lot more cumulatively from its sales of iPhones and iPads uh, than it does uh, from. Uh, from from Mac sales, and I don't think that that's going to change anytime in the future because there are a lot more people out there who are interested in buying um, smartphones and buying tablets like the iPad uh, than there are who want to buy a new computer. And the fact of- that Microsoft is helping matters any with this Windows 8. I mean, they just <laughs> that, was, that was that was actually my next point. You know, and, you see, I read your mind because I do a paranormal <laughs> show. Go ahead, please. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You know, I think that that a lot of people are turned off from owning from owning a PC to begin with because, uh, and when I say PC, I mean a personal computer, not a Windows PC, uh, because their experience with with uh, with Windows has been so horrible. Whether they're still using Vista or whether they've you know recently bought a Windows 8 machine. And a lot of people also are penny-wise and pound-foolish, and they look at the price of a Macintosh compared to the price of a PC. They see that PCs cost them three or $400 when they buy them from Best Buy or wherever they might be buying their next PC from. And they think, well, there's no way that a Mac is worth you know, $1,000 or $1,500. Not understanding that when you, you actually get down to brass tacks and compare the industrial design of the product that you're buying and the software that it comes with and all the crap that it doesn't. And when I say crap, I mean the crap where – you know, the, the, the uh, commercial virus protection software and all of the trialware that gets installed on these machines, uh, that in and of itself brings the, the price of the Mac pretty much in parity with the PC. But, you know, people only uh, look at the, um, uh, the, the, the cost of, of, of the machine as it's advertised in the paper and say, well, you know, I can buy a lot less or a lot more PC for my money than I can for a Mac. And it's, not, it's simply not true. But look at the success of the MacBook Air. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, that MacBook Air, you know, you can go walk into an Apple store um, or uh, some of the bigger uh, retailers and you can pick up a MacBook Air, you know, sight unseen. But in many cases, Apple specialists, for example, and even some of Apple's biggest online distributors, you know, the the major um, retailers that used to be mail order catalogs have had trouble keeping the new MacBook Air in stock. Apple has been selling a lot of them. Uh, so uh, that's an exciting machine. I'm still waiting for the Haswell microprocessor that's inside those, that's making it so attractive, to appear on the MacBook Pro and the iMac and the Mac Mini, because I think that's going to give a little boost in sales uh, to the rest of Apple's product line, too. And remember, the MacBook Air only came out, what, the second week of June, so it didn't have a long time on the market and couldn't influence sales all that much. As another thing, too, I read, I think it came from the NPD group, that in the U.S., the number one thin and light notebook, which is, I guess, what their parlance is for the so-called ultrabooks, the number one product of all PC makers is the MacBook Air with like 55% of the market, give or take a couple of points. And that's before the new model came out. You know, the MacBook Air is a really easy sale, I think, for a lot of people because it is so thin and so lightweight and runs... Despite having specs that are on the page, mediocre at best, runs very fast because it uses things like PCIe-based flash memory, which makes storage lickety-split fast. You know, I think that um, that that in the end, the the people are really really impressed with it, but. You know, anecdotally, I, I also on the weekends. You'd mentioned my, my my other two jobs. Anecdotally, on the weekends, I also work at an Apple specialist uh, near my house, and the MacBook Air isn't our best-selling model. Although since June, we've had trouble keeping it in stock. The 13-inch MacBook Pro is actually our best-selling model. That's the one that all the students want when they go back to school. That's the one that many professionals opt for uh, when they walk in the store looking for, for a new laptop. Now, I can only take my own anecdotal evidence because Apple doesn't break down its, uh, uh, its, its Mac sales by category anymore, so I don't know how many MacBook Pros it's selling, and neither does anybody else outside of Cupertino. But um, 
my my experience has been that more customers walk in looking for the MacBook Pro than anything else. So um, it, it'll be really interesting to me to see what happens when Apple finally refreshes that uh, with the new Haswell microprocessor because I think that it, that's going to be a big deal. Um, and also I should mention, as much as I've kind of pooed on uh, Mac sales for this quarter, this was the literally the most dismal quarter on record uh, for PC sales. Uh, PC sales in April were down almost 20% in the United States. That is the worst showing for PC sales since IDC, which reported that number, has started keeping track. Um, in, in, uh, in, in, in the second calendar quarter of the year, uh, Gartner reported that PC sales were off, I think, about 10%, maybe 11% uh, compared to where they were last year. So Apple, uh, you know, showing a 7% drop in Mac sales, actually that's... that's um, uh, that's that's a little better than the industry. That's significantly better than the industry average, although it's still on the downswing. You wonder if Apple, had they introduced the new MacBook Air maybe two or three weeks earlier and gotten out new MacBook Pros with Retina displays, if that would have boosted sales to make up the difference. Indeed, indeed. And there's some evidence that there's tr- that it's going to turn around. I've been having conversations with Ben Beharin, who's the principal analyst over Creative Strategies. And Ben really thinks that we're on the cusp of a major uh, refresh cycle for PCs and believes that that's going to be car- that's going to the Mac is going to be carried along with that. He's kind of keeping it close to his vest on why he thinks that way. Uh, but um, I trust Ben enough to, to sort of accept on face value what he's saying. Well, it's hard to find an analyst that you could trust. A few are out there. Yeah, but they're like mechanics. They're worth their weight in gold when you can find them. Well, the one thing is we do have people from MTD Group coming on the show here, like, for example, Stephen Baker, one of their vice presidents. And the one thing about NPD Group is they base their figures on real sales, not foolish projections, and they're almost always right as far as I can tell. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the the, the less that they rely on um, uh, you know magic or uh, reading tea leaves uh, to predict um, uh, future performance, I think it's it's a good idea. All right, so let's look at another industry analyst, a guy named Peter Cohen, who has twenty years of experience in the industry or something like that. What do you expect Apple to do this next quarter? And this answer may take us to our next segment, but that's fine. What do I think Apple is going to do in its next quarter? Yes. I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Apple is going to refresh its Macs with newer processors. Uh, you know, the Haswell microprocessor is a major advance forward for Intel's CPU technology. It offers better battery performance uh, and significantly better integrated graphics performance than its predecessor did. So um, Apple has got to um, migrate its products over to that new technology. That I think that we're going to see that in this current quarter that we're in, the quarter that started in July, July, August, September, at least I hope sometime probably later next month or maybe sometime in, in September, uh, we're going to see uh, those new machines appear. Because as I said before, anecdotally, my experience has been that um, a lot of people walking in the store won't consider a MacBook Air for whatever reason and really want a MacBook Pro, maybe because it's got a, a, a super drive in it, uh, maybe because you get a little bit more bang for the buck in terms of CPU performance and uh, uh, storage capacity because it's hard drive reliant, um, uh, unless you go for the Retina display model. Um, and 
uh, it makes sense that that Apple is going to push a lot of units uh, once those are available, and it's going to want those available going into the fall. So that's one thing. The next thing I think is that we're going to see an iPhone refresh sometime in probably October because that that'll put us back on an annual cycle. Why do you say October? Because the iPhone refresh last year was in September, and we're going to have to hold the answer to our next segment. We have Peter Cohen from so many places I can't keep up with them. The Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm more, and he's also an Apple specialist. What else can I say? Except I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Ginny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease, decay, or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The all-encompassing Renaissance man himself, Peter Cohen, <laughs> joining us. You know, you see, I've got all the bases covered here, my friend. That's right. Yeah, all that, and I still pay three bucks for a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Is it only three bucks? Well, it is when you buy them in bulk, like I do. Ah, that's the way to do it. Okay, so let us continue, my friend. Yes, sir. All right. As we progress with our discussions, you're doing your industry analysis. I said before we broke the segment that when it comes to the iPhone, last year it was September. So why not September this year? Why October? September, October. Yeah, I mean, one or the other. Um, it, it'll hit. 
You know, I, I think that uh, Apple typically has a September event where it'll unveil uh, new iOS devices. So that's as good a guess as any. One thing I don't think that we're going to get this year is an iPad mini with retina display. A lot of people are projecting that the iPad, the next generation of the iPad mini, is going to have a retina display. I don't see it happening. Is it the result of getting the parts cheaply enough? Because Apple has to keep that price down because the iPad mini is still despite its success, perceived as more expensive than the competition. That's exactly right. And if you take a look, and just, just think about what I said in an earlier segment, Gene, about the, um, the, the hard numbers of Apple's iPad sales uh, for this previous quarter. Uh, Apple's making, um, Apple's, Apple sold fewer units, but Apple made a lot less money on those units sold. And I suspect it's because the, the margins on the iPad mini are so much smaller than they are on the full-size one. And we know that a lot of people are buying iPad minis. So if that's the case, you know, it's, Apple is, is not going to produce an iPad mini that costs the same or anywhere near the same and has a retina display. I don't think it's going to happen until maybe 2014, you know. Um, it's not as bad a factor. In the smaller form factor, as a matter of fact, it looks quite good. I don't think customers are complaining that much. It's just the tech geeks that worry about it. Okay, so we're going to have the new iPhone. We'll have the new iPads, new Macs. Will there be, and I'm seeing these broad hints and reading what Tim Cook said at the quarterly conference call, the broad hints saying, will there be a cheaper iPhone? He's kind of saying yes, because he makes up a big deal of the fact that the older models are still selling quite well. Well, and that's a point, right? You know, that, that um, there is certainly a, um, an opportunity for Apple to sell older equipment uh, less expensively to people who want the iOS experience but aren't prepared to fork out $650 or more if they're paying, you know, with these plans uh, for, a, uh, for a brand new device. But I think that Apple fundamentally recognizes the market in kind of a different way that analysts would like it to. Analysts aren't looking at uh, Apple incrementally growing its iPhone user base. Apple wants to see, or uh, analysts want to see Apple produce an iPhone that it can sell in developing countries. You know, in places like India, in markets like China, where uh, and Russia, where Apple competes, but you know, Apple does a fairly small percentage of the business compared to some other big players uh, that produce cheap handsets in the region. Um, and, you know, obviously, uh, there, there are other um, countries in, in Asia, there are other countries, there are countries in Africa that are increasingly dependent on cell phone technology and have, it, have potential customer bases that are comfortable using this stuff, but just simply can't afford anything close to the cost of an Apple handset. I think Apple recognizes that as a, a very different market opportunity than analysts do. Analysts think that the solution to that is for Apple to come out with an unsubsidized iPhone handset that costs maybe 100 bucks or less. I, I don't think Apple is going to compete in there anytime soon. I really don't. I think that Apple is content growing its iPhone business incrementally for now um, until it can figure out a way to, to compete with those markets better. But it's not going to stop them from building a lower-cost iPhone because you kind of think here, if they can sell the iPhone 4 for, what is it now, $450, $400 unlocked, can't they build a brand-new model for the same or maybe a slightly lower price? 
Uh, yeah, you know, it's entirely possible that they could do that. But, you know, again, what, what sort of compromises is Apple willing to make in the overall user experience of its product um, to, to, uh, to, to meet those market demands? I mean, take a look at PCs, for example. You know, Apple was always told that you're leaving money on the table, Apple, by not having a, uh, a laptop below the $500 price. Well, you know, Apple didn't ultimately create a $500 laptop. What they did is they ended up creating a $500 tablet that ended up dominating the tablet market and, in fact, inventing the tablet market over again. It's something that people who would have bought a $500 or $600 notebook buy instead. That's exactly right. Cannibalization is a very real thing, and I think that that's another reason why we saw Mac sales slip uh, this previous quarter because people are in the market to buy a new computer, but they don't want a computer. Uh, they feel like an iPad is enough for them. And many of these people never have to hook up their iPad to a computer. They're perfectly happy using iCloud, um, you know, using apps that they buy from the App Store. And their their iPad, their iOS device, whether it's an iPod Touch or an iPhone, never, ever touches a computer through syncing or whatever. The iPad, in fact, becomes their replacement computer. More and more, and we're seeing that with the sales system. School systems, what, 660,000 to the LA school district. And imagine if Apple made that conquest in other large cities around the country. And let's well, face it, LA, it's a financially challenged school district. And that's the tip of the iceberg for L.A. That's only a pilot program in Los Angeles. They, they, like if if this goes through, Apple will be selling millions of units to high school to uh, to school kids uh, or uh, to, to L.A. school districts for their kids to use in schools. So um, that is a huge opportunity right there. But you're absolutely right. You know, I, more and more. You know, again, going back to my own anecdotal evidence, uh, I'm getting customers walking in on the weekends who say, "Yeah, my kid needs an iPad for school this fall. Which one do we?" get him because that's what the school wants him to use they want him to uh they don't want him to carry textbooks anymore he's going to have all of his textbooks um on his ipad or they want him to send his uh homework into the teacher using email instead of uh instead of writing it down and, and handing it in you know you're hearing this more and more everywhere it's not just where i live it's not uh just in la or maine you know it's it, this is this is a, a a nationwide trend so where do you see it going? They don't buy the other tablets. That's exactly right. In some cases, the school districts are going to end up ponying up for the for for the devices, um, and the iPad seems to be the one that that everybody wants because Apple's the only company that's really come out with a coherent strategy uh, when it comes to getting um, what the students need uh, on their devices. I'm talking specifically about um, uh, about textbooks. Plus, you know, there are a lot of companies that are heavily invested um, in, or a lot of school districts, I should say, that are heavily uh, invested in technologies like PowerSchool. Um, and, you know, that, that makes an excellent segue for them to get iPads. Let's move from Apple to another subject, because I'm not going to ask you about an Apple-connected TV or an iWatch. We've gone there before. What about that other company that didn't do so well financially this past quarter? It's taking a $900 million write-down because people won't buy Surface tablets. <laughs> yeah, remember last year about this time, um, uh, Gene, all the tech pundits, uh, especially the ones who have a forsworn allegiance to Windows or, or to Microsoft, were predicting the imminent death of the iPad with the release of the Surface RT? Well, you know what? I heard a mixed reaction. It was a mixed bag. I think a lot of people were skeptical. 
And I'm just annoyed at the lousy, deceptive commercials that Microsoft runs with the iPad compared to the Surface where they reduce the size of the iPad so the landscape depth is the same. Well, yeah, and you know what? Clearly customers aren't being fooled because people are staying away from the Surface in in droves. Nobody wants one. You know what? I think part of the problem here is that Microsoft decided very unwisely to graft this interface um, that it developed for its phones onto everything, you know, onto its tablets, onto its uh, its um, uh, its desktop operating system. Everything's running Metro now. And, uh, you know, it, uh, user interfaces don't scale that way. You've got to you know, as Johnny Ives said, make make that 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 interaction layer invisible for the user. You know, it just is, get them what they want to do. It's very visible with Windows 8. More to come with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30%, while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide 
worldwide customers with Real People customer service. Fast, free, same-day shipping and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Jenny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease decay or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA Drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at techniteowl.com. That's news at techniteowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Peter Cohen of iMore and, of course, the loop at loopinside.com. I was about to say the other radio show that he's not doing now, which means when you hear him on this show, it's going to be special. Because, <laughs> you, you know, he can't use the language he uses on the other show. We don't let him do that. But even slightly censored, a slightly censored Peter Cohen is better than anything. Okay. So well, thank you. I just wonder here why no one is really complaining about the deceptive ads that Microsoft runs for this thing. I mean, if you're showing two products in comparison and you deliberately scale down one of them, doesn't anybody notice or care? Or maybe nobody watches the commercials, they fast forward through them. Well, you know, I think as, as Apple product users, we, we love to sit back and chortle when we see Microsoft making an obvious misstep. But I really do think that they did in this particular case. I think that Microsoft grossly underestimated the, the public's ambivalence towards the Metro interface. And in fairness, it works very well on the phone. I don't know if you've had a chance to use a Windows phone, but it's, it's a damn good little phone. I mean, I, I don't have one, but I wouldn't mind one. I wouldn't kick one out of bed for eating crackers, as the old expression goes. It's it's a nice phone. It runs really well, but you, it doesn't translate to a tablet experience or to a desktop experience very well. You know, I think that Microsoft is playing a very defensive game right now. Microsoft is trying to keep people inside of its ecosystem any way it can. You have only to look at the um, Office for iPhone release um, to see an example of this. Uh, many of our listeners may not know that you can actually run Office on your iPhone. The caveat is that you have to be using Office 365, Microsoft's uh, um, subscription-based um office service. And you also have to be plugged into Microsoft's uh, uh, cloud ecosystem. It's, it's, uh, it's technology like SkyDrive. 
uh, in order to get any of the technology to work. And what's more, it won't run natively on the iPad because why would Microsoft want you to run Office on an iPad when it can try to force you to buy a Surface instead? But I guess for the iPhone, it's okay. You know, it's examples like this that make me think that Microsoft is very, very bound and determined to keep people locked in uh, to its ecosystem any way that it can. And it is very scared of products like the iPad, taking that away from it once and for all. And you know what? If you listen to what Tim Cook has said in the past, Tim Cook has basically said the same thing. When analysts in the past have brought up the fact that iPad sales have the potential the very real potential, it turns out, to cannibalize Mac sales. Tim Cook has been dismissive of it. He said, you know what, that's fine with me because we may cannibalize a few Mac sales on iPads, but first of all, we're keeping them in the family, so it doesn't matter much to us that that way. But more importantly, if we're cannibalizing uh, sales, there are a lot more PC sales, a lot more Windows PC sales to cannibalize on the iPad than there are Mac sales. So he's looking at it as an opportunity to win hearts and minds from Microsoft. And that is demonstrably demonstrably happening every day of the week when people who are lifetime PC users walk into an Apple store or an Apple specialist or somewhere else that Apple products are sold and say, sell me an iPad. This is an interesting development, and you have to wonder, why is Microsoft's board of directors tolerating the presence of Steve Ballmer's CEO? That guy should have been out a long time ago. Amen, brother. No disagreement. By doing that, they're killing the company. Yeah, well, you know, I think that Ballmer has a stranglehold on uh, the board of directors and the senior management, and I think that he is not seeing the the, the forest through the trees, and he is not adaptable uh, to the new reality that Microsoft finds it, it, itself in. You know, he still believes fervently that Microsoft is king of the hill, that Microsoft uh, can, you know, is 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 the dominant player in its industry, and is. It's proven over and over again, Microsoft is tolerated, especially by IT people who have an enormous amount invested in that in that technology. But Microsoft is not beloved and is not looked upon as an innovator uh, the same way that Apple is. Well, that's, again, the problem we have with the analysts who look at Apple and they say, what industry have you upended lately? What have you done for me lately? as if Apple has to be the innovator for the entire industry. Yeah, and I think that that, that, that is an unfair uh, point of reference for Apple to have to live up to continuously, because if you take a look at things, uh, you know, the Apple released the, the iPod in 2001. They didn't release the iPhone until 2007. Then the iPad came along in 2010. Well, here we are in 2013. It's time for another disruption. That's fine, but analysts in particular have been expecting another disruption since about 2011. They've been anticipating Apple to completely reinvent some other market, whether it's watches or televisions or whatever straw these analysts can grasp at. And, you know, maybe Apple is planning a big industry disruption with some product or another, but we don't necessarily know what that is yet. Uh, It's strange that their attention span is so short that they can't look at the past and say, all right, well, we, we need to give Apple time to do this stuff. And Apple's not going to do it before it's ready. So I don't know. Let's just go back to this. I said maybe we wouldn't discuss it, but we will. looks like Apple is slowly adding content to Apple TV. They've got HBO Go and more sports stuff. They are supposedly talking with Time Warner Cable, one of the big players in the industry, to include that. So is that what Apple TV becomes, simply an aggregator of all of the services? 
Apple doesn't have to build a TV. You just buy an Apple TV and do it all from there. Well, this is some people's worst nightmare, right? Because I, I think a lot of people were looking at Apple TV as the great hope um, for um, beleaguered customers who are tired of tithing to their cable companies every month. And what's becoming more and more apparent by the um, the incremental changes that Apple's making to Apple TV is that Apple understands that it's not going to be able to beat cable providers um, at their own game in terms of providing a, a last-mile service to uh, the television set that gives people the media that they want. More and more, we're seeing Apple take a more measured approach that, that requires them to strike deals with the content providers. Take HBO Go, for example. You can watch HBO on your iPad or on your um, your Apple TV, but it requires that you have not only an HBO um, subscription, but that you get it through one of the few vendors that's supported through uh, the authentication system that that app uses to make sure that you are, in fact, getting HBO already. As a Comcast uh, customer, I don't have any problem with this, but if I were a DirecTV customer getting HBO... I'd be screwed. Except that I learned they finally added it. They didn't at first. No, they didn't. At first they didn't, but this required each gatekeeper to make a decision as to what they allow with this connection. In the end, they make money. Look, if you get your HBO from DirecTV or Dish Network, you're paying them a fee, an extra fee. It's part of your bundle, which we can go into. That's another discussion, though, which we don't have time for. Peter Cohen, tell our listeners the many thousands of places (laughs) we can find your stuff. Surely. You can see me at uh, The Loop at loopinsight.com. Imore at imore.com. I also do the podcast, the Imore podcast with Renee Ritchie, our editor-in-chief every Thursday. Well, uh, many other uh, publications and outlets. And if you're ever on Cape Cod, feel free to stop by Cape Mac um, on the Mashpee Commons uh, on weekends where I'm usually there most Saturdays and Sundays. There you go. Personal appearances from Peter Cohen. Peter, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Always a pleasure, Gene. Thanks, man. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. What does freedom mean to you? How about the freedom to take control of your own future? At eFoods Direct, we're again celebrating Food Freedom Month. In July, for every $329 you spend on our highly nutritious, great-tasting food, you will receive a $190 Patriot Pack free. For example, purchase a six-month supply and get three Patriot Packs free. The Patriot Pack is a 24-day supply of eFoods quick-fix, easy-to-store food, plus stove, fuel, and cook pot. 
lot, all in an easy-to-carry bucket. Patriot Packs are the ideal grab-and-go emergency kit for your car or to have by the back door. Perfect for your cabin or camping trip this summer, or even simply to add more food to your supply, free. Call 800-409-5633 or go to efoodsdirect.com slash alex and get your free Patriot Pack with purchase. Call 800-409-5633 or efoodsdirect.com slash alex. And remember, free shipping every day. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Ceramic Body Armor is rated to stop six hits. But what about the seventh? Unlike ceramic or Kevlar, Infidel Body Armor is proven to take hit after hit, and it just won't quit. Reasonably priced and designed for the smart civilian prepper, Infidel stops hundreds of hits from small arms to high-powered rifles. That means safety and peace of mind. Buy yours at InfidelBodyArmor.com. Spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L BodyArmor.com. Infidel Body Armor just won't quit. There may be a hidden danger lurking in our homes. And without the right equipment, you'll never know it's there. Maser instruments detect all forms of nuclear radiation, including alpha, beta, gamma, and x-rays. And are always on, just like your smoke alarm. Detecting, measuring, and monitoring nuclear radiation. Made in America. Laboratory grade and EMP resistant. If you can't reliably measure nuclear radiation, you're not fully prepared. But now you can be at maserinstruments.com. Spelled M-A-Z-U-R instruments.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern. He's the iTunes guy for Macworld and very knowledgeable about a lot of things. And he's written a book, an e-book, called Take Control of LaunchBar which I kept getting wrong. I keep calling it Launchpad. And Kirk asked me, Gene, have you ever, ever in your entire life, and that goes back four or 500 years, have you ever, the true blood keeps me alive, that's how it works, the, have you ever tried a launch bar? And I said to him, I'm aware of its existence, but I haven't. So sell it to me. I'm sitting here, well, I'm a Mac Power user with a thousand years experience. Why should I use LaunchBar? A lot of things you do on your Mac, other than when you're creating things or consuming content, browsing the web or whatever, um, involve several types of activities. You may launch apps. You may search for files. Um, you may move files someplace or send them to people by email. LaunchBar is designed to save time with these sort of common operations that, are, that can be a drudge. So you can do 
the most amazing things from the keyboard. Initially, and this started out pre-Mac. It started out back for Next. It was designed initially just as a quick way to launch applications and files. And you'd press a keyboard shortcut, and you'd type a few letters, and it would find the application or the file. You'd press return, and you'd launch it. That was the basic feature of LaunchBar. When I started using it back in, I'm pretty sure it was 2001, so just around OS 10.10.1, that was the first version for the Mac, which was released as LaunchBar 3 because there had been previous versions for Next Step. So the basic use for most people for LaunchBar is you press the LaunchBar shortcut, command, space. This little bar comes down below your menu bar. So that's the bar in launch bar. The bar is about the size of the menu bar, a little bit higher. You type a few letters for the application you want to launch. So let's say I want to launch Safari. I could type SF, for instance. Launch bar is going to list a number of items that correspond to the letters you've typed. If the one you want is on top, you press return and it opens, as Steve Jobs used to say, boom. If not, you can scroll down with the arrow keys and you'll find the item and it opens. And that's the basic it's what's called abbreviation search in launch bar. It's the basic, simplest use of the application, and it's what most people know about. Okay, but obviously it does a lot more. Well, that's – see, I was leaving it open for that for you to say, well, what else can it do? When I was writing this book and working with um, Tanya Angst of Take Control, we had a lot of conceptual problems figuring out the best way to present the many, many things this app can do. And I've mentioned the basic one, which is this abbreviation search. And we came up with the realization that there were five superpowers in this app. Things that you can do that will save you time and that will, as the marketing copy says, save you from a life of Mac drudgery. So abbreviation search, you can use to search for files, uh, applications, contacts. You can use it to search in your iTunes library. You can use it to search in your iPhoto library. Uh, you can use it all over the place. The second thing you can do is you can browse. You can open, you can display the bar with this keyboard shortcut that I mentioned. Um, you could type, say, DOC for your documents folder and then use the arrow keys to browse it. The same way, kind of the same way you do column browsing on a Mac. So you're just pressing the right arrow and the up and down arrow keys and then the left arrow to get back. And you can find any file on your Mac and you can also browse the data of certain applications. The next thing you can do is what's called sub-searching. So you can do a search... And the search results display, and you can do another search to, to drill down into that search. Um, this is really useful when you get a lot of hits for something you're looking for. Let's say you're looking for, okay, a support page you saw on the Apple website. So you might want to bring up your bookmarks and type APP to get all of the ones with Apple. And then you'll type a couple of letters that are in the title of the web page to narrow it down. And you can keep doing this until you found what you want. Or Give us an example here. Kind of make it really personal. Well, okay, so I'll say, for example, I'm looking for some information on how to set up my time capsule, which is the backup product that works, that's embedded into the high-end airport extremes. Well, you've actually got me into a different feature, which isn't a superpower, um, but which is web searching. Um, LaunchBar has a number of templates so you can search the web. Most people, when they search the web, they switch to, assuming Safari is their browser, they switch to Safari, they click in the address bar, they type what they want, and they press return. When I want to search the web with LaunchBar, I press command space that brings up the bar. I type GG, which is the shortcut that's going to bring up the Google search template. I press the space bar, and then I type whatever words I want, and then press return. 
So I don't ever have to go to Safari to do this. I can do it from LaunchBar. Now, you were just saying you want to search something about the time capsule. Um, you can set up your own custom search templates in LaunchBar. So I have a search template for Apple's support pages. And basically what this does is it reproduces the search syntax you use on a website. But what it comes down to is that when I open this search template, it's the same as if I'd navigated to the search field on one of Apple's support pages. So I can just type in, as you said, time capsule, and I'll find, um, I'll get a web page with all the results that have to do with time capsule. Okay, but I would think here, unless you are going to always search a specific area, a specific site or something, you wouldn't be setting up a template. No, but the point is, well, the, the app comes with about 50 search templates, and these include Google and Amazon and Bing and Yahoo and a whole bunch of others. Um, but if you do go to a site a lot, then you'll want to set up your own, and I explain how to do it in the book. It's not very complicated. I have one set up to search the iTunes store because I, we may have discussed this once about how you can search uh, all of Apple's stores from the web, and this is the iTunes store, the App Store, the iBook Store, the Mac App Store, and they're all web pages. So I've got a search template for that because sometimes it's easier for me to search when I'm looking for information for articles. It's easier for me to search a web page where I can copy text than it is to go into the iTunes Store or the App, Mac App Store application. Um, I've got another one for the Mac World website, another one for the Mac OS X Hints website, um, one specific to Wikipedia. Um, I use about a dozen of them regularly. Okay, well, that's the thing. If you're going to use it frequently, it makes a lot of sense. It does, yeah. And even just having the Google search templates, um, for instance, I'm just going to bring up the index window because the index window shows um, all of the things that LaunchBar can show. And there are a number of Google search templates, such as Google Exact Phrase, Google Images, Google Groups, etc. So even if you search Google regularly, you can save time by searching a specific type of Google search um, using LaunchBar instead of clicking through a number of times to the advanced options on Google search page. So the point being here, you can simplify the complexities. You can simplify any complexity. Well, any, you can simplify a lot of complexities with LaunchBar. We're talking about search, but it's the same with launching applications. Um, I'll give you an example. I rarely open the console app, but if I did, I'd have to go into my applications folder into the utilities folder and open it unless i kept it in the dock with launch bar um command space con for console return and it's open it's very practical to find apps you, you know you probably keep the apps you use all the time in the dock but launch bar makes it very easy to get to apps that you don't necessarily use all the time um let me give you another example of of files with apps so i use pages for a, a certain amount of my writing and if I press the launch bar keyboard shortcut, so that's command space, I type PG, I see pages with a little arrow icon after it. I can press the right arrow and I can browse the files that I've opened recently with pages. Now, you can do this with numbers, with Keynote, with text edit, with BB edit. You can't do it with Microsoft Office because of the way the apps are designed. Um, but Isn't easily- that interesting about Microsoft? That is always a problem. With third-party apps, you try to do a few tricks with a Microsoft app, and there's always something weird that Microsoft you know, does that it- makes it difficult. 
Yeah, and and I'm not sure what it is. It's not. I, I'm not sure if it's a cocoa carbon thing, um, but there's something that goes on with the Microsoft apps, and it doesn't work. But it sounds like was, Windows 8 and the Surface Tablet, which obviously are not working too well for Microsoft. What we do have that works very well is having Kirk McElhern on the show. The book we're talking about is Take Control of Launch Bar. You get that from Take Control Books. You can find us neighbors on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl on Twitter. We have more to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Join us in Joshua Tree, California, August 9th through 11th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference. A weekend of in-depth exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. The conference will feature films, panels, lectures, workshops, and fieldwork with leading experts including Stephen Greer, Giorgio Sukalas, Graham Hancock, Jim Mars, Michael Tellinger, Laura Eisenhower, Jason Martell, David Wilcock, Doc Wallace, David Zareda, and many, many more of the biggest names in UFOlogy. The conference will coincide with the Perseid Meteor Shower, and the Joshua Tree Retreat Center offers the perfect place for sightings through the clear desert sky. Enter to win a free ticket at contactinthedesert.com. We look forward to seeing you in Joshua Tree in August for a serious look at mounting evidence that we are not alone. For more information, go to contactinthedesert.com or call 760-365-8371. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. 
Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. Have you ever wondered why farmers can keep their livestock lean and healthy just by feeding them minerals in a nutrient-dense diet? Before market, they cut off their minerals, leaving them to crave high-calorie grains to fatten them up. So if weight control is this easy, why does the medical system prescribe invasive surgical gastric bypass for humans? The truth be told, according to research, you can avoid over 900 different diseases just by getting 90 essential nutrients daily. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com and order your Healthy Start Pack and get your 90 for life. Or dial 855-301-TEAM. I said essential, not optional, and every day. Easy. 90 for life on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com or call 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com at sonsoflibertyteam.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Isle live, Kirk McElhern is doing his best to sell me on spending $35. Is that what it is? For a copy of Launch Come Bar. on. It's only 10 bucks. It's $35 for a lot. Ah, for the book. Oh, okay. I'm trying to sell you my book. <laughs> oh, the book is and, one thing. The book, I'm happy to pay for it. But okay. the question is whether um, I well, want to pay $35 for... No, Launch Bar is $35, but they've got a promotion on with the book. If you buy Launch Bar now, I don't know when the promotion ends, you get a free copy of my book. Right. I noticed that. So, so you pay $35 for the application. Right. And you get a $10 book free. That's a pretty good deal. It is. It is. And I have to say that LaunchBar is one of the rare applications that everyone at Macworld has consistently rated five mice. I reviewed the last, about a year ago, I think I reviewed LaunchBar, and I gave it five mice. Dan Frakes and Jason Snell had reviewed it with five mice before me. And I've got a quote in my book in the beginning from Adam Engst, who said, and I think this was in an article. He's utterly addicted to LaunchBar. LaunchBar has worked its way into my neurons, and I'm all the more productive because of it. It's $35, but it's the kind of app that you will find to be well worth the money. You'll save so much time um, that you'll just be happy to have spent that money. Okay. No, it sounds like it's intriguing. And I think if you get beyond running three or four apps and you do extensive searches, in other words, you're maybe a step up from just a casual Mac user. This would be worth it for you. Yeah, it's, it's not for the people who just do web and Facebook, obviously. Um, it's for people who do a little bit more. But So let me talk about the last two superpowers that I haven't mentioned. Um, okay, so we know that Superman has the ability to fly, he has super strength, and he has x-ray vision. What else? Well, he's also got... He can run faster than a speeding bullet, and what else? More powerful than a locomotive, able right, to leap tall go. buildings okay. with a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a bird. Okay. Well, we've got two more superpowers. One is called Send 2. Um, the principle is simple. Anything that you can have on launch bar, you can send to anything else. So I'll give you an example. I very often, when I write articles... I'll have a text file and a number of screenshots, so three or four files, and I'll want to send an email to someone with containing those files. Now, you know there's many ways to do it. You create a new email. You drag the files into it. You drag the files onto the mail icon in the dock. With LaunchBar, I can select the files in the finder, activate LaunchBar, 
and just press the tab key, select mail, and create a new message. It saves a lot of time. Now, this sounds like it's not saving much time when you can see the files, but when you combine that with, say, browsing and finding a file seven folders down in your documents folder, you'll realize that you're saving an awful lot of time because you're able to do things with files very easily. I won't go into all the details of how you can use this to move files, copy them, uh, create aliases, create symbolic links, etc., etc. It's extremely powerful. The final superpower is called Instant Send. Um, I've been mentioning that there is this command space keyboard shortcut, which you can set in the preferences uh, to something else. If you don't if like you, that command space, you can make right. it anything you want. And if you press and hold just a little bit more than usual, what you've selected in the finder or text that you've selected is sent to launch bar. So I'll give you an example. Um, I'm reading a web page or I'm reading a book. Um, and I want to look something up in Google. So I'll select a couple of words, and instead of copying them, moving them to Safari or whatever, I'll press the, the launch bar keyboard shortcut and hold it just a little bit longer, and I'll have instant send. So the, the text is on the bar. Then I'll press the tab key to send it to one of my search templates. So it could be Google or it could be Bing or Yahoo or whatever. Um, you can do this with files. You can send them, you can instant send them to the bar and then send them to a different folder, to a different app. Um, you can do it with text as well. It's called Launch Bar, and the publisher, by the way, is called Objective Development. Yes, they're an Austrian developer. Um, they're also well-known for Little Snitch, which is a security app. It's a sort of a reverse firewall that detects programs on your Mac that are sending data out of your Mac. Okay, and the book is Take Control of LaunchBar. It so is. So I guess you can get a demo from the publisher. You can get a demo of LaunchBar. You can get a, a preview of the book, which is, I don't know, about the first chapter or so. Um, so it's by all means, try it out. Most of the people that I've convinced to use it have been hooked. Um, one of my editors on the book was actually a little bit, upset with me because he really likes using his Mac with no third-party software. Um, and once he used LaunchBar, he got hooked, and now he can't live without it as well. So he doesn't use default folder X or 10? No, nope, he doesn't use that. No. Nope. That's, by the way, an open, save dialog box enhancer that's been around for, I guess, 20 years or so. Yeah, I remember it under um, OS 9, even OS 8, perhaps. Right. Well, John Goto developed this back in the 90s and there was a competing thing called Super Boomerang but Super yep. Boomerang was never translated for OS 10. Right. So there you've you got go. a very good memory of these old old apps. I don't remember anything new. That's it. Uh, uh, it's one of those yeah, that's the Alzheimer's thing, right? That's right. I can't even remember who you are. Well, I'm Kirk McElhern and this is the Tech Night Owl Live. Well, you're trying to take over as host of the show. You know, we don't allow those things to happen. The people kind of come on the show and they pretend to take control. Seriously speaking, take control of Launch Bar from Take Control Books. Take a look. Get a copy. If you buy Launch Bar, you get the thing for the time being free. But Kirk still gets money for it somehow. I don't know how they work that out. I'm sure they figure it out. I won't try. In any case, a lot of things happening we want to talk about before we progress. Let me ask you a hypothetical question here. Say Apple took a $900 billion write-down for a defective product or a product that hadn't succeeded. 
What would happen to Apple? You wouldn't hear the end of it. They would Apple. be doomed. Right. But now let's go to two events. 2007. 2007. Okay. Microsoft says they're going to take a billion-dollar write-down. Why? To fund repairs of defective Xboxes. Millions of them. Yep. What happens is the things stop working. They kind of burn out or something. So this is a minimum of $1 billion write-down. It may be higher depending on the number they have to replace. Now think about that. This is one of the key products in Microsoft's efforts to stretch beyond personal computers. To get into other things. Get into the living room. To get into the living room somehow. So they take... This huge write-down, which is reported for a day or two, and that's it. The stock price is not seriously hit. If Apple took a billion-dollar write-down, say, on the iPhone, it'd be the end of the company. Now we have 2013, six years later. Microsoft getting off scot-free, I guess. So we now have another incident with Microsoft taking a $900 million write-down on the Surface tablet because nobody wants to buy them. And the stock price took a hit for a few days, and now nobody talks about it. Yeah, it's it's very surprising. Um, I wonder if expectations are just so low for Microsoft that everyone just shrugs it off and figures, yeah, well, um, Microsoft's core business is still Windows and, and other software. You know, the kind of business where the first unit costs $5 billion and every other unit is free. So they're more or less printing money in, in a lot of cases. And, and have we ever seen Microsoft hardware, and I would say with the exception of my keyboards um, and the Xbox, that have done anything other than cause problems? Well, the so, Xbox is an example. They spend billions of dollars in developing that thing. They suffered losses of billions of dollars. And now the division is profitable, but only to maybe hundreds of millions of dollars so how many thousands of years does it take them to make up for that? The answer is it will never happen. Well, it might. They, they may, you know, if they've gotten in the black now, they may be on the road to making enough of a profit to make it justifiable. Um, but when you take a billion-dollar write-down, then it's pretty hard to do it. But, you know, look at things like the Zune and other Microsoft hardware that's failed. I think... Because all of this, you know, when, when we read all of the, the writing about Apple, it's all – all the negative stuff comes from analysts who are supposed to be people who are, I don't know, have some knowledge of the industry and clearly don't. Um, they have these really high expectations of Apple, yet they don't seem to have high expectations of companies like you know Microsoft and others. Could it just be that they just – when they saw the surface, they figured, well, this is such crap. We know it's not going to work, that they didn't even plan on ever being able to say that this was profitable. We have Kirk McElhern joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. Amino acids have to be delivered to your body in the shape that nature gave them if they are to be used to create new proteins in your body. Just like a bricklayer cannot use bent or twisted bricks to build a brick wall, so too your body cannot use bent or twisted amino acids to build new proteins. Giving your body an undamaged amino acid food can make a huge difference in your health. One World Way is an undamaged amino acid food unlike any other. You see, heating bends and twists amino acids, and all whey protein powders we've investigated, and most proteins you consume are heated. With our True Cool process, you now have a choice with One World Way. My name is Daniel. I'm 34 years old. When I started using One World Way, I weighed 228 pounds. Now, after two and a half months, I weigh 182 pounds. This is my ideal weight. I've noticed an increase in stamina, rate of recovery from workouts, and an increase in my potency. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. So, Microsoft, are they getting a free pass? Things aren't doing so well. Obviously, they missed earnings. They took a $900 million write down on the Surface tablet. They are desperately trying to sell those things. And even later, I don't know if you've seen the latest TV ads where they show the iPad versus the Surface. And what they do is they scale down the iPad, showing it vertically as having the same height as the widescreen Surface tablet, which, of course, is not true. The Surface tablet uses widescreen display. The iPad is what they call standard definition. So if you hold it landscape or horizontally, the iPad will be deeper than the Surface tablet. But right. to magnify the size differences between the two, they do is they reduce the size of the iPad. This, ladies and gentlemen, is deceptive advertising. Okay, it's a fraud. And this is part of Microsoft trying to sell this thing, but nobody cares. Have you met anyone who owns a Surface? A what? Have you ever even communicated with someone who owns a surface um i know one of the people um who works for macro world uk over here tweeted the other day asking for people who knew this who owned a surface and i don't think he found any i know that i'm in touch with the people over at laptop magazine 
several no, of the I mean, editors. No, I mean, I mean, talking about users who, who bought a Surface. No, not, not, well, Laptop not Magazine gets one free from Microsoft. Sure. I asked Microsoft to send me one; they wouldn't. And maybe they figured I'd tell the truth about the product. I don't know. I do not know. But I'll tell you something. Let's go back to the Zune music player, okay? I never met anybody who owned a Zune except once, where I saw a couple of young guys near a Subway restaurant in Scottsdale, Arizona, and they had a couple of Zunes. They were trying to sell it to people. Huh. So there were and, Zunes that fell off a truck. I don't know if they fell off the truck or what. But you know what? They couldn't. Yeah, no one wanted the, People probably thought it was fake because they had never seen one before. Well, I'm assuming this was a real product, but I never, ever met anybody using it. Yeah. And, and you have to think here, Microsoft is spending not hundreds of millions billions of dollars to build windows 8 to create the surface tablet to update the xbox they spent how many millions or billions of dollars to develop the zune music player they took the interface from the music player which is the metro interface or the interface formerly known as metro they grafted it onto windows phone they then decided oh this is a great user interface let's put it on windows 8 and and where is that gone i don't know I mean, if you've tried to use Windows 8, have you? No. Okay. Every time I try to use Windows 8, I wonder, what is the purpose of this? Obviously, if you're going to completely overhaul Windows, what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? you want to make it look prettier? All right. You know, it's not such a pretty operating system. That's fine. Do you want to make the PC user more productive? Hey, that's a good idea. You want to give them a more reliable computing environment? Faster, better battery life, more efficiency. That's fine. Get rid of some of the bloat. Okay, that's a good idea. Make them more productive. That's a good idea, but Windows 8 doesn't do that. As far as bloat is concerned, Microsoft has something called the Windows RT. Windows RT is like iOS in the sense it runs on the ARM family processors. Right. They have what they call the x86 processors from Intel and AMD for traditional Windows. Okay, you buy a Surface tablet, say the cheapest Surface tablet, 32 gigabytes of storage, the Surface RT tablet. Guess what? Half of that is taken up by Microsoft bloatware. Right. So Microsoft has yet to learn how to build an efficient operating system for a mobile product. I mean, if you go and get the free or free with a contract iPhone 4, 8 gigabytes, Only a small amount is used by Apple's iOS. Now, Microsoft has, what, how many operating system developers? How many billions of dollars do they spend? A lot more than Apple spends on R&D. And they can't work and build an efficient operating system? Well, this isn't new, is it? Because you've always got this problem in the Microsoft side of, of backwards compatibility. And I'm not talking about necessarily hardware, which is part of it, because here you're talking about a, a, a portable device, but isn't this, doesn't this Windows RT run Windows apps? Windows RT does not run Windows apps. They have oh, okay. to be recompiled for a new processor. Let's go back okay. to what Apple did. Now, Apple had a great answer. Apple has switched processors twice, okay? They switched to PowerPC. They switched to Intel. In each case, Apple provided an emulator environment so that you could run your older apps on the new OS. Right. Microsoft does not have an x86 emulator to let you run regular Windows apps on the RT version. It's a totally different operating system, totally different apps, 
never the twain shall meet. Other than looking the same and basically operating the same, underlying engines are totally different, which means there's no compatibility, and that's not even anywhere on Microsoft's radar. See, Apple, the biggest thing that Apple made a point of is the fact that when they went to these new processors, they wanted people who use the older apps to be able to continue to run them with decent efficiency. It's only with the most recent releases of OS X you couldn't run PowerPC apps, but that's a lot of years ago. So yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense. Maybe not to some people. But Apple at least had a concern for backwards compatibility. Microsoft is moving to another processor, the ARM processor. All right, where's the compatibility? You see, at least with Apple, Apple's got iOS and OS X. You know they're separate operating systems. They're optimized right. for different environments. And, and Microsoft has, since Microsoft had their earlier, I don't, what was it called, the Windows for tablets, that was just basically Windows, you can remain confused about what you're going to get when you get a Microsoft operating system. What's even worse here is that I gather people return those tablets, those Surface tablets, at least some of the people who don't like them, because they can't run Windows apps. And Microsoft isn't very clear. In fact, the commercials they run aren't clear about anything. The first ads they ran for the Surface tablet. Do you remember them? You have this guy, this 20-something guy, sits at a table, and he takes out his Surface tablet, holds it down, sets it down vertically, pulls out the kickstand so it stands up, connects the keyboard to it with a click. And then everybody yeah. else is clicking. Everybody's dancing, and the music's getting louder and louder. Here's the surface. What the heck is it? Well, I'm looking at Microsoft's website. This is the U.K. version. It's basically the same as the U.S., but it's just got U.K. prices. Um, so one of the things that they're pushing here is that it comes with a USB port, so you can upload files from a flash drive or charge your phone right there on the spot. Um, they're trying to differentiate, obviously. It does come with the separate keyboard, and you can see that. I, the keyboard's part of the case, I assume. Right, but the cheaper models don't include the case. Okay. Um, let's see. And then if you go and you look at a... Oh, gee, well, that's not... Uh, let's see. I'm going to go to where to buy and find out. Microsoft Store, because there's a Microsoft Store here, which would be nice to look at. I understand have... there are a few. No, no, this is an online store. <laughs> there's no physical Microsoft Store where you are. You know, I don't think so. I've never heard of it. There may be one in London. Right. Um, You're in York. How far I'm is that I'm in York, and there's no physical Apple Store either. Um, there's an Apple Premium reseller. How the... far are you from London? Uh, two hours by train. So you're talking about, what, like 100, 120 miles? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I know it's two hours by train. Okay. Because we have That's, all those high-speed trains in no, Europe that we don't have here. No, it's not high-speed here. here. It's a, it's a low-speed. Okay, low-speed so. trains, you figure. Okay, it's like a two-hour drive maybe then. Well, there's an Apple store in Leeds, which is a half hour from here. Leeds is a bigger city. Okay. Anyway, so I'm looking at the website, and it's the Surface, the 32-gig Surface RT was 399 pounds, now only 279 so they're cutting a pretty big chunk off of the price here. But I'm looking at it. Let's see. I can't tell what it's doing. What's in the box? Surface Office Home and Student 2013 RT Preview. So why does it come with? It comes with Windows RT, and it comes with a Home and Student. Oh, Office. Sorry. So there is a version of Office. Power it's an Office. Wait a minute. It's an Office Preview, which means like a demo. We have Kirk McElhern not demonstrating for us, but just telling us 
like it is. Tell it like it is, folks. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. American gardeners and fellow patriots, make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed-saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American-owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. Can heart and body extract help with other ailments besides heart conditions, high blood pressure, clogged arteries, or unbalanced cholesterol? It did for Karen. I've been using heart and body extract for approximately two weeks. I've had an earwax buildup problem for many years with over-the-counter stuff not working at all. I had very poor hearing due to this earwax buildup. Well, after two weeks of taking heart and body extract, my earwax buildup almost completely cleared up. Could this 
B, the effect of better body circulation. Heart and Body Extract is an effective 100% organic nutritional supplement specially formulated to allow your body to heal itself. My hearing is almost completely back to normal. I'm amazed. Order by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have one more segment with Kirk McElhern, author, raconteur, man about town who is now in York, England, because he comes from New York in America and he wanted to go to the original one. Yeah, I think the I think the new one's a little bit better, to be honest, but, you know, that's just me being a little bit of a chauvinistic New Yorker. Well, regardless, it sounds like a lot of fun to live there, right? You know, it's we, been good so far. It hasn't flooded yet. The, the city tends to flood, I would say, fairly often because of the way the river is and because of the way the land is around here. But it's rained so little since I've been here. It's really quite stunning. You know, you expect everyone tells you it rains in england i've used my umbrella maybe twice since i moved here in early april i remember the line from a song from the beatles you get a tan from standing in the english rain yeah i am the Eggman. they are the you know what that is i haven't seen much of it we're just getting over a heat wave which it got up in here it got up in the high 20s well that doesn't mean anything for you it got up in the 90s in london basically in southern england i think what happened here is that all the water Went here to Arizona, where we've had a lot of rain in the last week or so. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. But we haven't had much here, so. We have a very hairy dog, so we ended up having to get a raincoat for him. <laughs> because otherwise, if you want to try to take a bichon yeah, yeah. and to dig out all the tangles in his coat after being in a rain. Or, or just when he gets in inside and he's still wet the amount of water he's going to spray around your your home there that would be a little bit annoying right well you have it because the first thing he'll do of course would be to shake it out yeah, but he's not going to shake it all out you know that they still they're still a little bit wet that's right but we have that so he's okay so and we control when he goes outside he goes out on a leash he isn't just allowed to go loose because we have other dogs in the neighborhood that don't observe the fact that they live behind fences uh-huh sounds like you're not very happy with the dogs in your neighborhood well, they're not like Teddy Bear. Okay. He, he's kind of a little wacky. As dogs oh, your dog go, is named Teddy Bear? Teddy Bear. Okay. You saw a picture of him. I sent it to you. No. You didn't get no, no. a picture of Teddy Bear. No. You'll have to send it after the show. The key is here, is Microsoft going to the dogs? That's a good segue. Is Microsoft going to the dogs? My response, woof. What does Microsoft do? This is an interesting question here. Microsoft obviously has to make changes. And it's not changes like giving corporate executives different titles or reorganizing divisions and all that nonsense. It is the people who work with Microsoft starting at the top who need to take responsibility for their failures. Why is Steve Ballmer still CEO? Every time you talk about a company like that, and and, uh, this would be Microsoft, Dell, whatever, you have to remember how much of their market has nothing to do with us. It's 
OEM, it's beige boxes, it's thousands or tens of thousands of PCs for businesses and schools. So we're, we're looking at this company as if it was an Apple. And you can't really compare Apples and Microsofts because while they do have a public persona of, oh, Windows is cool, you know, for the average home user, that's not where they make their money. So you got to remember that this is a company that's making their money not from $100 or $200 or $300 boxes of Windows, but for the $10 and $15 OEM licenses that are sold by the million. So the mindset of a company like that is totally different. The problem is that they're trying to be cool, and they keep trying to be cool, and they just can't do it. Well, they desperately want to be cool. So desperate, it's like you force the issue. You try to be something you're not. And this is so different from Apple. Apple never tries to be anything different from what it is. So the media expects Apple to upend some kind of market every hour, although the difference between the iPod and the iPhone, that was a matter of about six years. And then another three years before they came out with the iPad. So, okay, it's 2013. This fall, Apple has to come out with something new. If Apple did what Microsoft did, taking write-downs on defective hardware to the tune of a billion dollars, writing off a retail product that failed. And remember, the Power Mac G4 Cube failed, but they didn't take a big write-down on it. I mean, they sold them off, they stopped building them, and that was it. Yeah, it wasn't a new product, though. It was a new container for an existing product. So it's a lot different. I I think you just have to remember that that Microsoft has a culture that's so different from Apple's that the people in the company aren't thinking of the same kind of things. Oh, can you hold on? I've got a steam locomotive going by there. I don't hear it. Well, just out the window, I've got train tracks just across the street. and It's not a busy uh, train line. There's only two trains an hour. And twice a day for a while now in the summer, they have a train pulled by a steam engine that comes up. It goes out in the morning and comes back in the evening. I think Microsoft needs a steam engine. You, you have to wonder if the company should be satisfied with what it is and should develop what it does best rather than trying to emulate Apple. And I think that's what's happening. Leave the Xbox aside where they're dealing with a totally different competitor. But things like the Surface and the Zune, they're basically trying to compete with Apple in areas where the people in the company don't have the experience. So they can hire people, obviously, but the people who are good at that may not be the ones who would go to Microsoft in the first place because of the corporate culture in that company. Because Microsoft is a, what would you call it? You'd call it a bulk sales company. They're a, they're a wholesaler. They're not a retailer. They're not a product designer anymore. Well, you think, though, if they took Windows, and we understand their problem, which is that they need to recognize the fact that we're at the tail end of the PC era, that PC sales are going to go down. It's not going to be like iPod sales going down, but less and less customers buy new PCs. They keep them longer than they used to. In fact, right now, if you look at OS X Mavericks that Apple came out with, it supports Macs from four to six years old. Which means it supports that- everything that, that, that Mountain Lion supports, which is surprising. Usually, we're used to having a new operating system dropping off a generation of machines at the back end, and this time it's not happening. I mean, you can have some Macs going back to 2007, like an iMac. It'll work fine. A 2009 yep. iMac worked perfectly with Mavericks. Apple is recognizing that people keep their PCs longer. And yep. a lot of times when they buy something new, it's not a PC, it's a tablet. 
Now, Microsoft obviously understands this. That's why there is a Surface tablet. But they're under the delusion that people want a pure PC experience. They want to be able to have the same Windows experience everywhere. They want Windows everywhere, whereas Apple learned and realized early on that you have to have a mobile-optimized operating system. It could have the same core stuff as the regular OS X, but it has to be optimized with a different user interface recognizing the limitations of the mobile platforms. Well, that's where Apple got it right and Microsoft got it wrong. Microsoft, I kind of think that they wanted to maintain this branding of Windows everywhere rather than making a different version of an operating system. Now, RT is different, but not really because it reproduces that which used to be called Metro or whatever. Right, but, but the, the, the it's optimized for the limited resources of mobile. Kirk McElhern, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Uh, my website is McElhern.com, M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com, and you'll find lots there, and you'll find lots on Macworld.com as well. And he's author of Take Control of Launchbar. When you read this book, you'll want to buy a copy. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Folks, you'll want to hear this. No matter what size your business, people don't take you seriously unless you have a professional-looking website. You can empower your business with a stunning online presence, and it's free. Join over 30 million people who have built their websites with Wix. Once again, it's completely free. It requires absolutely no design or coding skills. Want to know more? Check out Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. There's a huge and hushed up conspiracy going on that's about to turn your lives upside down in the coming few months. Unbelievably, the media are keeping quiet about this. I'm sure they know it, but they probably know that revealing it on TV will generate mass hysteria and chaos. But I believe you should be informed about it. Because when the sinister agenda is finally accomplished and everything unravels, only those who know this secret info will survive and thrive. Go to 123conspiracy.com right now to see the truth. The video at 123conspiracy.com reveals the real, secret reason why Obama is after your guns and ammo. And it's not just in response to mass murders of preparing for war. It's something much darker. Go watch the video now at 123conspiracy.com before they shut it down. Again, that's 123conspiracy.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. 
Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. You are now considered a terrorist. It doesn't matter if you have served your country dutifully. The federal government, the IRS, and the NSA are targeting Americans just like you. Because of your beliefs and because of big government's corrupt policies, you are a threat and fall into the same category as a terrorist. Now they are monitoring everything you do online. You are at risk unless you know how to disappear forever. Go to privacyradio.com now to protect yourself. That's privacyradio.com. If you want to approach companies with your invention, the first step is to secure your patent rights. We are Russ Weinzimmer and Associates, a national law firm dedicated to helping you get strong protection for your invention. Already selling a product based on your invention? There may still be time to lock in your rights. Just call us at 800-621-3654 for your confidential free consultation or visit strategicpatentlaw.com. That's strategicpatentlaw.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Russell Chozik of Flashback Data, and we're going to cover on this segment of the Tech Night Owl Live the five most common ways consumers lose data. And where I imagine things can get really awry is when you have that data on your smartphone, on your iPhone, on your Samsung Galaxy S4, on your iPad, on your Nexus 7, or even your Mac or a PC. Russell, yes, sir. thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Well, thanks for having me. So let's start looking at the five ways consumers lose data. Shall we go one by one? Well, uh, yeah, we can. Uh, I'm going to kind of... There's going to be a little bit of repetition in, in some of what I'm saying here, but there's a 99.9% chance that you could scratch all this and and, uh, and save your data as long as you're backing up. And I'm going to keep reiterating the, the whole backup thing because, and, and what I mean by backup is always have a second copy of everything. A lot of people will buy these external hard drives that, that they're made for backup. Um, so people think that they if they move their data to there, then they have a backup, but they don't have a backup. They they just moved it to to uh, another device that could possibly fail. So it's all about copying the data over there. So always having the data in two locations is the key to the key to all this because you could drop your hard drive, you could drop your phone, you could drop your you, you, know, you could spill water all over your laptop, and you'll still be fine as long as you've got it somewhere else too. So uh, I'm going to keep probably reiterating that. But yeah, we can go through uh, all the the different ways that that we see people lose data on a daily basis. I mean, we help we help uh, thousands of people a year recover their data. Okay, so you're a data recovery service. Yes, sir. Okay, so now, for example, with a smartphone, mm-hmm. tiny portable devices I take everywhere. It's in my pocket. It falls out of my pocket. Uh-huh. You know, is that a lot of it just the damage? Yeah, 
what we see a lot with with drop devices is you know screens break and things like that. However, the device still works, but you have no way of seeing the data or anything like that. So what we can do is just as long as the device is working itself, we can it, it still extract the data. It gets tricky with some of the newer devices, especially anything iPhone four and above. Uh, is when there's severe damage, you know, say you drop your phone in the in, in the water for a long period of time, and it comes back and it's completely electronically fried. What we used to be able to do is is then take the actual chip where the data stored, pull that off of the circuit board, you know, read that in, and reconstruct the data into into usable files, so you could you know re-restore your phone or at least have your your information. But now. Apple's uh, been using uh, pretty strong encryption on on everything, so it, it makes it impossible for us to do that method now. So I just wanted to add about that. Is that yeah. one of Apple's efforts to protect the phone in case it gets stolen? Um, yeah, there's well, there's, they they've implemented a lot of security features since since, the, and I think they were kind of hammered a little bit on that um, early when the iPhone was was out about security and and that's why the you know government and, and department of defense and and congress and stuff were not, I don't even think they were allowed to use them at first everybody was still on blackberries because of the strong encryption on blackberries but ever since iOS 4 and the iPhone 4 they've implemented not only um, hardware encryption but uh, software encryption also so um it makes it impossible for us to restore from from that old method where we, because what we're looking at is we would, we could, we could definitely read the chip in, but we'd be pulling in completely encrypted data, um, which is already um, through complex algorithms already mixed up, um, you could say. So it's impossible for us to find the, the correct markers to put it back together into workable data. Doesn't Apple though use something like iCloud to yeah, provide that, backups? And that's what I, yeah, that is, and that that's one great benefit of the, the iPhones. What what we can even do, we we run a um, a digital crime lab also. So we we see iPhones come in here all the time for that are that are involved in litigation and where we need to pull off you know communications between different parties or you know for whatever type of case. And what sometimes happens is we don't they don't have access to the phone anymore, but they do have the Apple ID credentials. So we can basically pull a copy out of iCloud. Uh, you know, straight from Apple, and basically have the, the an image of the phone. By by image, I'm saying copy of the data of the phone, um, and then we can do our investigation from there. Now, so, with an Android phone, though, mm-hmm. the backups aren't as complete. And I know, right, for I example, don't... I went from a Galaxy S3 to a Galaxy S4, and I logged in with my Gmail account, but it doesn't pick up all the data. It gets your apps again. But all right. the settings, all the customizations, all this other stuff isn't there anymore, is it? Correct. Now, I know there is kind of third-party applications that, that do that for Android, and I'm not sure if you have to root, root or jailbreak your, your device to, to get that kind of capability, but there's a few guys in the office that use similar type services that kind of mimic what iCloud does. But no, it doesn't come with anything like that stock, because I, I don't know if you've ever... Uh, you know, lost or replaced an iPhone, you know, if you're backing up to iCloud, all you have to do is bring it into the Apple Store, they'll give you a new phone, and you press Restore from iCloud, and all of a sudden your phone is exactly how it was when you, you know, you're, when you, you're, it's the same as your broken phone, your old phone. Right? You know, I had that happen with an iPhone 4, yeah. where I was at an Apple Store to get a new case. Mm-hmm. And I put it on a table, and one of the employees kind of touched it or pushed it, it fell on the floor, the glass broke. 
So they said, you know what? We'll give you a new phone or a reconditioned phone, whatever. Gave me the reconditioned phone. And I don't know, in 25 minutes, it's restored just the way the other one was. You never would have noticed that you lost anything. But you can't do that with an Android phone. No, you can't. Not, Not yet, at least. Yeah, I went through it with my wife this weekend. The power button on her iPhone 5 failed, so we brought it in. And she goes, wait, what about all my pictures and all that stuff? And I just said, honey, I backed up your, your phone to iCloud this morning. So we went in there, stuck around the store for just a few minutes, and it restored it. And she was like, okay. It's like I never, you know, never even uh, lost my phone or never had a problem with the phone. So, yeah, that's that's one great, great thing. And that is that is the way to back up an iPhone or an iPad as far as Android goes uh it's it's different um plus you can have removable media inside of an android phone like a little sd card right right you can you know uh, you keep your pictures on there but then that there's a failover point there also sd cards fail all the time too so um and by the way if everything gets wet and everything's destroyed you can also destroy your sd card so you have everything together in one thing if you lose it you're still messed up sure uh, yeah, it, it, it's the, the same thing that we're going to come back around to is the, it's all about backing up. You know, it, I, I do it even on camera memory cards and everything like that, too. So Now, as far as the Android phone is concerned, though, when you bring it into your labs, that's easier to recover the data. If there's any way to do it, you can read it off the chips there. Yeah, it's still possible. I mean, there's there's encryption that you can enable in Android phones, but most of them do not come with it enabled by default. So. Yeah, we, we do have the, the capability of reading directly from the flash memory um, on those type of devices. Um, there's also other methods um, going around them through um, what, what's called JTAGging. Um, it's, it's kind of through uh, different access access points to get to the data directly um, through the circuit board. But uh, that's you know sort of uh, stuff that's still in the R and D phase. That that we you know we're constantly seeing new devices and working on on new methods of, of pulling data off. What is the most common thing that happens? Is it losing the phone, or is it having it fall into the local swimming pool, or what? Yeah, we we see we see both. Um, you know, losing the phone. Obviously, we're not going to be able to work on a device. But you know, if you have something in iCloud, we can we can help you pull it down as long as you know your credentials. Um, but a lot, actually, a lot of the phones that we do see are are actually working, um, and they're but they're. There's information on them uh, involving some kind of uh, court case. Um, so, and sometimes they're locked uh, with passcodes, and uh, we have the ability to to crack the codes uh, and get in and uh, and recover the information they're looking for, including deleted text messages and and various things like that. Um, but yeah, so so you know, in, on, in all honesty, a lot of the phones that we do see come in are working. Um, and and you know for for data recovery purposes also even if the phone's working someone may have uh, deleted you know important text messages or deleted pictures uh, we can go in and try to try to recover those for people. We have Russell Chosick of Flashback Data. More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network providing the world with hard hitting talk radio. GCN. Great Talk Radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Join us in Joshua Tree, California, August 9th through 11th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference. A weekend of in-depth exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. The conference will feature films, panels, lectures, workshops, and fieldwork with leading experts including Stephen Greer, Giorgio Sukalas, Graham Hancock, Jim Mars, Michael Tellinger, Laura Eisenhower, Jason Martell, David Wilcock, Doc Wallace. David Serrata, and many, many more of the biggest names in UFOlogy. The conference will coincide with the Perseid Meteor Shell, and the Joshua Tree Retreat Center offers the perfect place for sightings through the clear desert sky. Enter to win a free ticket at contactinthedesert.com. We look forward to seeing you in Joshua Tree in August for a serious look at mounting evidence that we are not alone. For more information, go to contactinthedesert.com or call 760-365-8371. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even if I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months, simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. 
We have Russell Chosik of Flashback Data. We're talking about what happens if you're not able to get the stuff off your Mac, PC, or mobile computing devices. Now, I want to kind of clarify a couple of things here. When we watch a TV show, sure. and you got CSI or something, and they get the damaged phone that they recover in the river or something right. like that, or it's smashed to smithereens, and they've got the computer operator, and he digs the stuff off the phone. And remember that these shows, an hour show is 43 minutes and some odd seconds, yeah. minus commercials. So he's got to recover everything pretty fast. Right. In the real world, yeah, I bring the phone to you, and the thing has been soaked to the gills. And we have all these rainstorms happening in Arizona now and elsewhere because of the monsoon season. So my device, my laptop or my mobile device gets soaked to the gills. How long does it take to get the data back if you can? Um, it, it depends on the device. Mobile phones uh, typically quicker than, than hard drives from computers. We sort of tell most customers that our standard turnaround time for for hard drives. And now we do have expedited services where we can just work 24-7 around the clock. Um, but standard uh, service, typically three to four business days. And and, and when you're talking about uh, things involving uh, when we help law enforcement and when we help uh, uh, attorneys in, in litigation, you know, these things take much longer because parameters change and court cases drag on forever. But um, it's not quite as sexy as, as they show in CSI where they, they kind of take a hard drive out of the computer and put it on a, a magic you know, machine, and all of a sudden the, the data starts coming out, and uh, oh, there's the evidence. It's not. It's not like that. It, it does take much, much longer, and much. Uh, you know, I guess if someone came back and tried to watch our data recovery technicians uh, recover data, it wouldn't be as many flashy lights. It, it's a lot. Uh, it's kind of a. You know, I would think most people probably think it was a pretty boring process, but I think it's pretty neat. Um, the, the drive will kind of have to go through certain phases, what we'll do is we'll, 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 when we get a device in, we'll first diagnose it, determine exactly what's going on with it, and, and through our years of experience, we, we kind of have a knowledge base of, of what type of drives are the typical problems with, or you know, what, what, are, what are the typical problems with certain types of devices. Um, so uh, a certain type of Seagate hard drive comes in where we have a pretty good idea of what, what's going to need to be done to recover it. Um, and then uh, after it goes through the evaluation process, uh, then then we start the repair process. And if if there's internal mechanical components that are failed, then we'll bring it into our our clean room where we replace parts. Uh, and then there's after that there's an imaging phase, which uh, which is really just cloning the hard drive to a good drive, a good stable drive. And then we completely work off of the the image, uh, so we're not working off the original unstable drive now. Um, and then, then after the imaging process, it goes through a recovery process where we actually turn the ones and zeros into files. So it, you know, it's not uh, it's not to put it on the magic device and and, and get evidence or get data. Uh, it's much more drawn out than that. Okay, it's not like person of interest where you have the computer that knows everything. Hey, wait a minute, we do have those computers. But the key is here is you're taking something into a clean room, and if you have something recovered, what you basically do then is give the customer back a new drive with all the data you could restore. Correct. With with recommendations that they immediately back up their data to another device. And, and uh, what, I, what I do at home personally is I, I back up to external hard drives, but then I also use um, cloud-based services like Carbonite or Backblaze or, or, or Mosey 
um, and and have everything back up to a alternative location because if you're you know you you can't prepare for the natural disaster so you know if your external hard drive is with your laptop when uh, you know Hurricane Sandy comes along you you know both both those devices are going to be um, in the same predicament so yeah, having something where it's stored offsite uh, encrypted um, definitely recommended. So, you know, kind of tr- double backing up is my, uh, is my is kind of your safest way. Let me tell you what we do. Okay. Yeah. I have two external hard drives for my main computer. I then use an off-site backup crash plan, which is a cloud-based backup. And sure. by the way, my son uses it often because he's had several instances where the hard drive has failed on his notebook, so he's always referring to his crash plan backup. Okay, yeah. obviously it takes longer because it depends on your internet connection, but at least it's in another location in a dedicated data center. That's right. what I do there. For our websites, we do the same thing. We have a local backup of our sites. And this is very important we should mention to people here is that you know, if you're paying $5 a month for your web hosting plan, I don't care which company, and there are a lot of great companies out there right. that we know about, they're not going to back up everything every day. They'll have a backup every so often. you got to back sure. up your own stuff. They also have services, and we use one, where they back up our website every night, all our sites, all the data, to a location in another city. So, therefore, we know that if the data center where our hosting provider has our server. If that blew up tomorrow in another city, I'd have a backup that I could use to restore everything. Right. You can't have too many backups. No, I agree. Uh, you, you know, so, some of the, some people would call, you know, our back our, our multiple backup plans obsessive, but I think it's just uh, it's smart. You know, especially if you're a professional or where uh, you know, a photographer or anything like that where you know, you've constantly got some you know, irreplaceable data you can't go back and reshoot a wedding or you can't go back and uh, recreate your quickbooks for the entire year uh, so it's you know i don't, I, don't think, I agree with you i don't think there's any uh, any backup that's a little that's too excessive in a way so a place like yours like a flashback data that's the area of last resort if something yeah, bad have, happens they go to a guy like you and we understand it's not going to cost a dollar 98 to do this you know if he's spending a day in a clean room you have to pay for it a fair price. This is not something you want to do unless you have a disaster. And certainly, like Hurricane Sandy, you guys must have been pretty busy during that time. Yeah, we did see quite a few drives. We have a lot of partners that are in the New York and New Jersey area that that uh, you know had customers that uh, partners. By, by I mean partners. What I mean by partners is uh, computer service companies that refer people to us when they can't do anything. So yeah, we had a lot of a lot of uh, drives that were that were heavily damaged. From the salt water, salt water is the worst, um, especially if it uh, if it uh, if it dries out because you get salt crystals that form on the platters of the hard drive, um, it makes it extremely difficult to clean. So you know, one one tip that I might say that if you you know your drive your drive does get completely submerged, it, it's almost better to keep it wet and to let it dry out. Uh, but a lot of people don't know that in a in a crisis, and so we deal. But that's you know we 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 always try to tell our referral partners and resellers that, you know, if there is something like that that happens to gather up the drives and kind of keep them damp and keep them moist so they don't, you know, it sounds counterintuitive, but it does, it does help. Put it in the plastic bag. Yeah. That will retain yeah, with, the moisture within it. 
You know, you get you get one of these your glad bags or whatever they are at your grocery store. Stick yeah, the drive in there or stick the mobile phone in there and send it to a place like Flashback Data. Yeah, especially if it's in salt water. That's the that's the big one because uh yeah, you know, when that when that salt water dries, the the water evaporates but the salt stays. Ooh, so, that's got to be a lot of fun. Tell our listeners, yeah. Russell, where they can find more information about in case the worst happens, recovering their files. Yeah, you can always find us. We have a you know website, blog, uh, Facebook, and Twitter, and all of the above. Our website's flashbackdata.com. We're at flashbackdata, and you can find us on on Facebook as well. Where you can find them in Austin, Texas. Yeah, uh, yeah, our headquarters in Austin, Texas. Uh, however, we have partners all over the country that like what we do and uh, and refer us out. So if you end up at a computer service company and they give you one of our brochures, uh, we'd be happy to to help. We'll even send you a shipping label to get it over to us to, to get it checked out. Okay. And you can find us, by the way, at technighthowl.com. That's technighthowl.com. On Twitter, we are also known as technighthowl.com. And we have another radio show. It's all about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Powercast. And this weekend, we're going to feature the great debate over whether or not there was the crash of a UFO in 1948 in Aztec, New Mexico, the great debate at Powercast.com. Here on the Tech Night Now Live, Russell Chosick. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. The Tech Night Now Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.